Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Gordon Doan, and today we're going to be talking about avoiding property voids and reducing your options. So my weekly update this week, we've had some good things going on. So I did my my longest run that I've ever done this week. So I got up to a 10 kilometer run. So I did that last night. That was uh, fantastic. So if you're hearing this, uh, I did that on Friday evening. So you'll hear this on Thursday when it's released. So I did this on Friday evening. I'm recording this a day earlier than I usually do. Ran 10 kilometers. I was dying by the end of it, but it was a good run. Um, had a really good time, really enjoyed it and felt good for doing it. This morning I did the park run, so uh, Saturday morning did the park run and had my fastest time yet, um, which I was very pleased with. So um, it didn't feel like my fastest time, I must admit. I didn't think it would be anywhere near as quick as I normally am because I was still aching from last night, but I actually did pretty well. I got my first um, sub 25 minutes um, for five kilometers. That was pretty good. 24.32 was what I had this morning. So it just goes to show that if you keep improving and keep pushing yourself, um, you can always improve and get better. So I'm looking forward to taking that further. I've signed up to do a half marathon in May. So uh, it's a good target to to aim for. And I'm aiming to do a marathon towards the end of the year. So fingers crossed, uh, well, I'm pretty sure I can get there. I'm pretty certain I can get there. Um, So I'm looking forward to that. So that was really good this week. I'm a day early recording the podcast this week because um, I'm traveling tomorrow. So I'm going on a holiday. So I'm going to Jamaica. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm actually, it's a conference that I'm going to. So a conference slash holiday, I suppose. Um, so that'll be good in Jamaica in Montego Bay. So looking forward to get, seeing some sun. I've forgotten what sun looks like. So um, tomorrow I will be traveling when I normally uh, record the podcast. My next podcast I will record when I'm in Jamaica. So I'm planning on getting that recorded next weekend, same as I normally do. But like I say, it'll be recorded in Jamaica as long as I don't have any technical difficulties. So I'm hoping um, I've planned to get it sorted. So fingers crossed, it should be okay. I also wanted to talk about this week because I had a discussion about this with a friend. Now, is it just me or is there a right way and a wrong way to eat a Greg's pasty? Now, I was eating a pasty with a friend and um, she was making a mess of it. So uh, I got to call her out on it. Hannah, you were making a mess of your pasty. So uh, I said I'd do a little bit of a, a how to eat the pasty segment on the podcast. So the Greg's pasties, as we all know, that. Uh, really good not overly healthy but really tasty um but usually somehow i don't know how they do it they manage to superheat the filling of the pasty so the filling's always a lot hotter than the outside so when you bite into it um the top is not usually too bad because you would eat the top it kind of pushes the filling down once you kind of get past halfway through the filling starts coming out and um you tend to burn your lips or your mouth so um like I say, there's a right way. So I found the way to I eat my pasties is uh, eat the top half, no problems. And then as you eat your pasty, eat from either right to left or left to right, um, and follow the filling the way the filling is falling out of the pasty, so that you can you don't get it down yourself and burn yourself. So so there you go. That was especially for Hannah, so that uh, we found the right way. So uh, and let me know if you have the same problem when you're eating the Greg's pasty as well. That super hot filling that catch you out all the time. 
So we're going to get into the uh, content of the podcast. So last week we talked about voids and how to plan for voids um, going forward. So when when you're doing your deal analysis, how you kind of uh, take take voids into account in all your planning so that you're not surprised by them. So this week what we want to do is quickly talk about how to try and reduce those voids and avoid them where possible. So there's a number of ways, um, and again, it all depends on what kind of a strategy, uh, what kind of property strategy you have. So I'll go through a number of options, and then you can kind of work through which which works best for you. Um, and if you've got any ideas, you can always um, write in on pod- on Facebook or um, or to my email and let me know if you've got any other ways as well. So the first way is you could use a property management company. So using a property management company is obviously going to cost slightly more than managing everything yourself. But usually, because uh, because property management companies operate on filled rooms and a, usually a percentage rate of those filled rooms, they're pretty keen to get them filled in as quick as possible, get those tenants found for you as quick as possible. But obviously, the downside of that is that um, you pay the percentage to have the whole property managed, whether it's full or not. So the pros and cons to that one. So like I say, you can use a property management company. The second way is to pay any existing tenants you have. So if you've got HMO, this works particularly well. So if you've got HMO and there's already a number of tenants in the property, you can pay them a referral fee to get their friends or colleagues, etc., people they know into the other room. So that can work quite well. If you're in um, buy to let, if you've got a number, if you've got quite a sizable portfolio, there's no reason why you couldn't um, have a system where you pay a referral fee to your existing tenants when they provide new tenants for your other properties. So um, there's absolutely no reason why you couldn't do that. And that, that'll work quite nicely. It takes a little bit more managing, um, spot managing, but there's it's a fairly easy suggestion. And then it's just taking advantage of kind of advertising opportunities wherever you find them. So if you've got spare rooms from a HMO, there's no reason why you couldn't advertise those on spareroom.com and other similar websites. Um, just do a little bit of research or find a number of those kind of websites. Um, you can usually list for free on those websites. Um, you can pay for more premium listings. So if you're struggling, maybe it's worth thinking about paying for a premium listings, which means they appear at the top of search results. So if somebody searches for a room in your area, your room will appear at the top of the listings as opposed to wherever it would naturally appear. So that can be quite useful. The other way of advertising is you can advertise, obviously do advertising leaflets or um, uh, notice boards on your existing properties. There's no reason why you can't do that. But another one is also advertising in local businesses. So, you know, there's no reason why you couldn't pop into the local post office and put a little notice up on the notice boards that they usually have in uh, post offices and like local shops. There's usually a big board and you kind of write out a little advert for, for whatever it is. And there's no reason why you can't advertise your rooms on there. Um, that can be quite good. But also through businesses such as local hospitals, um, local um, engineering firms, local um, manufacturing firms. If there's these kinds of big businesses that are local to where your property is, there's no reason why you can't pop in and ask to pop an advert up on a notice board in there so that you kind of get referrals and, and such like that. So that can be a good way of reducing the voids as well. So, and as you're thinking of 
doing the advertising you kind of want to have in your mind when you want to do that advertising because once the existing tenants moved out you've almost left it a bit late because you will automatically have that void then so if you know a tenant's moving out you want to put something in place as soon as possible so as soon as you know the tenant's moving out on spare room you can actually advertise that room available a month or so in advance and you just put in there the data which it becomes available so that will reduce the void period so that's going to be much easier and reduce the pain and the hassle that you go through because it's always more stressful when you've got the property empty and then start looking for tenants so um, if you can plan for that and it's not always possible i know sometimes tenants move out at the last minute or without um, much notice but where you get that notice make sure you try and do something as far in advance as possible and prep for that so that you can reduce that void period as much as possible. Like I say, you're never going to eliminate the void period completely, but if you can reduce it, then you're saving yourself um, headache down the line. So I think that's an important thing to remember. So like I say, if you've got any other ideas for avoiding voids, if you use, if you've already got an existing portfolio and you use other methods, feel free to drop me a line and we can mention it on one of the future episodes of the podcast to help other people out as well. Um, that'd be quite useful. The second topic I wanted to talk about was reducing your options. So a lot of people always think the more options there are, the better. You know, you get a wider range of products or whatever to choose from. It always seems it's kind of a logical conclusion to come to that the more choice you have, the more research you can do and the more um, better products you can get for yourself. So the more adjusted product so that you can uh, make the most of it. Now, it doesn't necessarily always work like that, I found. Now, in my personal life, I found that too much choice leads a bit to decision fatigue. So the problem with that is, is as you go through through a day, you're making decisions all the time. So you make dozens of decisions, dozens and dozens of decisions each hour of the day. You know, whether that's what route you take to work, which shop or petrol station you shop at, all those kinds of things. And then once you're in the shop, um, you know, it's what do you want for dinner? If you want a pizza, there are 10 different types of pizzas to choose from. It can be difficult and overwhelming to keep making those decisions and as you move throughout the day um, well I've certainly found that as I move throughout the day especially towards the end of the afternoon I can get a bit like I say of decision fatigue and it's just a bit overwhelming and my decision making process slows completely down so I'm not as quick at making decisions in the afternoon as I am first thing in the morning Um, a bit of that is as you're kind of the way I think of it is, you know, your, your mind is a sponge and it can take in information and throughout the day it gets taken in information. But at some point your mind's going to get full and kind of holding those options in your mind is taking up your mental real estate. So it, it becomes trickier and trickier to kind of clear that real estate as you go throughout the day. So the way to avoid this, I find, is to reduce the number of options you've got. So, for example, I have a massive number of books. So in my house, I've got probably three, four hundred books. I used to anyway, certainly buy books and they go into a pile to read and I'm not reading them. I'm buying them faster than I was able to read them. And so when I come to read one, it'd take me, you know, I'd ponder quite a while over which one I wanted to read next. So what I've done is started to reduce my options. So I've implemented a plan now where I can't buy any more books. Uh, I'm not buying any more books now until I've read the ones that I've got. 
the only exceptions to that is I now write a list of, so when I want to buy a book, I keep a list of those books. And if I come back to it three or four times with the same book in mind, or have I got that on my list? And it's on there and then I'll put a little tick next to it again. If I get to it three or four times, then I'll order it and put it to the top of my reading list so that it actually gets read so that I've implemented kind of an efficiency saving there so that if it's that important to me because I keep coming back to it, I think, oh, I really want to read that. But I have to come back to it on my list, like I say, three or four times before I actually purchase the book to make sure it's something that I'm actually going to read straight away. So I found that that works quite well. So that's kind of reduced the amount that I have to choose from. So as I've gone through now, I've started reading those books. Um, so far this year, um, we're coming towards the end of February. I've read about eight or nine books already. So I'm reading them at a rate of about one a week, which is good now. Um, so that I tend to read non-fiction books, but I, I, I've got a sprinkling of both in there now, um, which is a bit healthier. So that I find it easier. I read the non uh, read fiction books a bit quicker than I read the non-fiction books. Um, cause I'm usually taking notes and stuff as I read non-fiction books. That usually takes me a bit longer, but I'm actually getting through and learning from the ones that I've got now instead of kind of piling up and, and getting the value from those. The other thing that I kind of, um, struggled with, I was a member of a couple of different kind of online courses, not necessarily to do, in fact, none of them were to do with property. They were other things. Um, and I was struggling to which ones I did first. So I, I kind of zigzag between them do a couple of modules in one, couple of modules in another, couple of modules in another, and then I'd find, oh, I've just not, I've forgotten what the first modules were in the other one, so I'd go and do those again, and I kind of got myself into that circle. So what I've done now is reduce the amount, so I've closed down some of my accounts on those. Um, I've just got one now that I use. I'll get through all the modules on that, I'll close that one, and then go on to the next one. So I've reduced my available options. So it's not only kind of, reduce the decision fatigue that I'm receiving it's made me more efficient because I'm only having to do things once because I can remember it it's all related to each other so that's really kind of useful and I think I think a lot of people need to do that in their business lives and their personal lives is just reduce the amount of options that you have so it's kind of contrary to popular belief that options you know and, and to a certain extent it is true that options are good but you want to reduce those op options so you're not getting decision fatigue so anything you can do to do that in your life is going to improve. So whether that's in your business, whether that's your property business or otherwise, or if that's in your home life, you know, one of the things, you know, to take a non non work example was the gym. You know, I'd go and try and do a little bit of everything in the gym each time I was in there and finding I wasn't really getting the um, gains that I was expecting, the uh, benefits from that. So what I did now, do now is when I'm in the gym, I focus my time on one particular body area. So I'll do a um, a workout targeting a specific set of muscles and then next time I'm in there I'll do it focusing on something else and I kind of rotate those around so that I'm not doing a little a tiny bit of everything every time I'm in there so that I'm actually and I'm actually feeling better and feeling more benefit from that as to just doing a little bit of everything all the time. I've also done that in my cooking as well I do a lot of uh, home cooking. I tend, what I tend to do is cook at weekends to save me cooking during the week. And then, so I cook two main meals at the weekend um, and I'll eat those and swap those throughout the week um, on top of for my evening meals. So I'll rotate those around so that I don't have to do too much cooking during the week to save a bit of time so I can get everything else done. But uh, like I said, I've got 
hundreds of books at home. Um, I've got over a hundred cookbooks probably because I really enjoy cooking and I like cooking. And I was kind of, oh, I, and it always took me ages to kind of plan out what I was going to eat each week. Uh, but now I don't even look at all my cookbooks. I just take one or two a week, um, take a few meals from each of them and go, oh, I quite fancy that and make a list. And then I'll put those back. And then the following week, I'll look at a different two and make some recipes from those so that I'm not having uh, a repetition and not taking too long to decide what I want because previously I'd sit down with um, you know I'd get seven or eight cookbooks out and I decide right I'll have a meal from that one and a meal from that one and a meal from that one and so on and there's just the whole decision process to go through that and write it all down and do the shopping list and everything you know talking an hour or two hours where I've reduced that right down to 10 minutes now I'll just pick two off look through get a, a quick flick through oh, those recipes look good write down the ingredients and away I go and jobs are good and so it's about reducing those options to a sensible amount just to make life a whole lot easier for yourself so if you can do that I think you're going to be winning a lot more frequently than you are it certainly helped me hopefully it helped you too so that's all I wanted to talk about today so hopefully that's been helpful so in summary um, with your property voids you know, you want to plan as far in advance as possible to avoid those voids, to make sure that you can put a plan in place to reduce the amount of voids that you have. You can either do that by employing a property management company, paying tenants um, a referral fee, you know, advertising on spare room, advertising in local businesses such as post offices, etc., and advertising in local big businesses such as hospitals. Um, so that's going to help you out with your property voids. Um, and then we talked about reducing your options. Now, whether that's in business or in personal life, um, get those options down as much as possible to reduce decision fatigue. Uh, and hopefully that's going to help you. So stop listening to me. Go and put a plan in place to avoid those voids and see what you can do to reduce your options. Talk to you soon. See you next week.